Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with the pitmaster of one of the most successful barbecue food trucks in Australia. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 112 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. And before we get into it, I just want to clear a couple of announcements and get them out of the way before we get stuck into it. So first of all, um, I just want to say that it's a very exciting. Competitions are coming back. The first one that I'm going to be going to is the Brisbane Barbecue Festival at the end of August. And um, it's going to be really good. We should have had it already. It was literally coming up in my Facebook memories just this morning saying a year ago you were here. But uh, hey, we're still going to get there. It's going to be at the end of August. And I've been talking with Julian and he's got a couple of weekends booked out for us there. So it's, it's going to be really cool to, uh, to see what he's got lined up for us. Um, If you'd like to help us out, please do give us a like and a share on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. Um, If you're watching on Instagram TV, IGTV, give us a heart and a follow. And if you listen to this on your podcast app, check out how you can give us a rating and a review, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Hit us with a five-star rating and review. It only takes a minute of your time, but it really helps us out so much. Now, today's episode, as I said, we're talking with the pitmaster of one of the most popular barbecue food trucks in Australia. He's based in Sydney, but he travels as far south as Melbourne, and I've actually seen him as far north as Townsville, which is about two and a half thousand kilometers for for those of you who are not familiar with the East Coast. He's a man with a big beard and a big laugh. We are talking to Nawaf Rafai from Two Smoking Arabs. So in today's episode, we're going to find out the origin of Two Smoking Arabs. We're going to talk about both the food truck and the competition team. We're going to talk particularly about the cancellation of Meatstock Melbourne and how that affected them as they were one of the biggest vendors that were going to be at that event. We're going to take a little bit of a trip overseas vicariously and we're going to find out about that trip of a lifetime that uh, he and a couple of his mates took to Brazil last year. And we're going to finish out the episode with a lesson on brisket, which if you've ever been to a Two Smoking Arabs event or visited them at a competition, you're going to know that is something very, very special. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this episode. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. With your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? All righty, Nawaf. Welcome to the confessional, my friend. How are you today? How you going, buddy? Hey, you mate, mate, I'm great. I'm on holidays for a couple of days from work, so I'm laughing. It's Wednesday and I'm just sort of sitting here in my pajamas talking about barbecue. Take me with you, brother. Take me with you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So how are things going for you at the moment? Are you still busy and, uh, and, and keeping, keeping the business going? I'm good actually. Um, well, think about the COVID. We thought that COVID would bring a lot of businesses down, but um, apparently, um, food actually rose up. Um, people just wanted to eat. I think they were that bored. There was nothing else to do, <laughs> and they got sick of home cooking, so they just wanted to come out and eat once a week. So yeah, no, no, we've we've thank God, you know, seen seen some fruitful fruitful um, beginnings to something that. Is looking to grow a lot, a lot bigger. I think um, our next step is to expand, and Ooh. I can't wait for that. Yeah, we're in, yeah. We're, look, we're in the process now. I'll, I'll, I'll let a little secret out. We're in the process now of um, bricks uh, negotiating a lease with the bricks and mortar. 
Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Can you tell us where that's going to be or is that still under wraps at the moment? Um, well, it's going to be around my area, um, the Canterbury Banks down area. The reason is there's no one out here at the moment. Um, we got obviously the boys, my friends, um, at Black Bear down, down far west. Then you got Surly Sue's, Curly Sue's, and Smoking Sue's down the city area. Then you've got a few other people down the road, you know. So I like, I'm sort of like smack bang in the middle of all that, which people, if they don't want to drive out, they'll drive in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a pretty good strategic spot there. Oh, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see how we go. We, we'll let our we'll let our fans and our customers and our our community see what they see what they um how they take it on. Mate, I dare say they're going to love it. I I was uh, just looking at some photos um as I was doing the research for this episode. Some photos of the. Uh, I, I think it was either brisket or beef ribs that you did up in Townsville. And uh, look, if if you're putting out that sort of uh, stuff at your restaurant there, it's going to be huge. Well, we, we look, we try to we try to do the best we can. We want to put out quality, not quantity. Yep. Um, we found out that, like a lot of people ask me, why do you sell out? Why don't you just cook more? But then I say to them, because if I cook more, the quality might go down. Right. If you say, for instance, you're cooking ten briskets a day, right? If you're going to cook fifteen briskets a day, it's you start going into quantity, mm. and then you start. Then you got to hire people. Then you got to hire people to cook. You know, if someone's, you got to teach that person how to cook like you. And if they don't cook like you, your business is not going to be the same. So you might as well do all the cooking, which I do. It's trust me, trust me. We're, we're one bugger, but you know it is what it is. And yeah, we moved, yeah. and we moved our meats. We don't use uh, cheaper brands anymore. We've been using um, Wagyu Nine Plus for our briskets. Wow! So we've been using that for the past what three months now um, with a very special, very special guy. His name's um, Gary from. Mr. Wagyu beef. All right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where I use all, all his meat. That's where I get my Wagyu from. That's where I get my beef from. So it's pretty good. Yeah. I recommend right. it to anyone. I'm just making a note of that here. I'm going to have to go and uh, go and investigate that. Mr. Wagyu beef. Yep. They also do Mr. Wagyu to your door or Wagyu to your door where they deliver actually scotches, uh, ribeyes, uh, tomahawks, anything Wagyu, they deliver to your door. Mate, that's awesome. That's the best thing I've heard in a long time. Oh, it's crazy. You don't understand. Every every now and then he comes and he brings me a cube roll. And oh, that, nice. And that cube roll, what I do with it, I just hand it out to customers, you know, this. They just give them a slight, like a four, maybe a two, a three, 400 gram piece of Scotch fillet, Wagyu 9 Plus. You know, it's a special guy, just something like that. One time we ran out of food. You got to love this one. We ran out of food. We had no more. And I had a couple of scotches in the, in the fridge. And I felt bad this guy was waiting in line for like half an hour. And then we got to him and, sorry, mate, it was sold out. And he goes, oh, I got listen, just wait a minute. I'll be back in a sec. Went inside, grabbed the two scotches, cooked them up for him. Obviously, I had one. Of right? course. So I cooked him up uh, steak and chips. Oh, so, nice. So he actually loved that. He goes, mate, I, I didn't, we didn't charge him for it because obviously. But you know what? He was a gentleman. And he came and he threw, he threw some money on the table and I said, listen, 
We don't want it. Uh, this is a present from us to you. So keep it at that. And you know what? That made him feel like he was something really special. He'll be back to your next event for sure. He'll be the first one in line. Oh, definitely, definitely. It looks, be nice to people. Be generous. Our service is generous. Like we say 200 grams, but we don't you give 200 grams. We never give 200 grams. It's always either 300, 350, sometimes even 500 grams. Like when you start, wow. when you start getting into the, to the, the point, the cap, yeah, because yeah. you've got the cap and you've got the flat underneath. So you're giving that one slice, but then you go, I can't just give them one slice. So you've got to give them a second slice. And that yeah. second slice is 200 and something grams anyway. Um, but you get a lot of people who, other shops and stores who they like to weigh their meat. I think weighing your meat is not um, being a generous in your, be generous in your serving. You still make money. Yeah, yeah. You're still making money. So, you know, be humble and, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard to explain what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you put generosity out there, you get generosity in return. 100%. Um, let's go back to the start of Two Smoking Arabs. What came first, the food truck or the competition team? Oh, competition team. Competition team. We, we competed in um, Gosford. Um, I think it was Yaks. Oh, yeah. Yaks, I think it was in 2017. We competed. That was our first competition ever. Because we didn't do pork, we came obviously dead last. <laughs> that, that, that was fine. I didn't mind that. It was look. It was all about experience. That's when we started. What happened was I was sitting there um, thinking of a name. What should we call it? What should we call it? And I'm thinking. I'm going. This is in two sixteen. End of two sixteen. Middle of two sixteen. Because um, we were still practicing how to cook. Learn, trying to learn how to cook. Cooking at home. Cooking for the family. You know, feeding them leather. Feeding them rubbish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> burnt barbecue, undercooked barbecue. You know, then they they, they love they they were the best. They were going, oh, this tastes good. <clears throat> yeah, this is the best <laughs> I've ever tasted. And, you know, they, they they were pretty nice to me. And then I was, obviously I had a few knives in the back after that. But you'll be right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we started off with that, and then I go to the wife. You know what? We're smoking. There's two of us. And we're Arabs. Let's just tell people what we are and let's and plus not just that. When we thought when I thought of that name, I also thought about how how it's gonna affect the business with the communities of abroad, not just my community. I'm not when I talk about communities, I don't just talk about the Muslim or the Arab community. I'm talking about community abroad, the, the whole mm. thing. Because we don't just live in one racial community. We live in a diverse community. You know, so when we talk about community, that's what we talk about. So, so with the people out there, the viewers and that, and the listeners are not thinking that I'm just talking about our community. Yep. Um, uh, we're thinking two smoking Arabs, especially what was going on with the terrorism, with this, with that, with 101 other things. A lot of people were scared. Don't don't call it. They might attack your truck. They might do this. Like yeah, people might, yeah. you know, so I said, you know what, let's show the people who we are. What sort of people are we? What sort of, um, don't listen to media, don't listen to this, just come, have a chat with us and you'll know who we are. And that was it. That was, and then we went from there 
And what you know what? After the first comp, people loved the name. Yeah. So that's it. It stuck with us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you um that you don't do pork. How do you how do you handle that that category at competitions? Well, that's that's what that's that's what happened with us um, when we done the first comp, and we done I think another comp where we didn't do any pork, um, and then we came up to meat stock in two a two eighteen I think it was the first meat stock I did. One of, before that I had a guy from Chad. His name was I think you know Chad. Yeah, very well. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Chad offered to do the pork for us at um at the comps um, since he wasn't competing. Yep. So he ended up doing it, doing it, and then he'd done it for us for a few other comps um, where he would do the he would use his own utensils, his own table. He would buy the pork. We would have nothing to do with it. We we can't even give him like pay for the pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was yep. forking it out, doing all the, all the rest, um, cooking it. And obviously, if he won, we, obviously he'd pick it up. He would be taking the trophy home and the prize money for it. Sure. Just handing it in under two smoking Arabs. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's how we got away from doing the pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think that that's a very um that that's a very creative solution that you're able to uh to because you you do do well in in competition so being able to to find that that alternate way of of handling that has really paid off for you oh definitely well when we first the the meat stock we did the first meat stock we did we we were actually pretty we, we for the for a big comp like that we we, we we've done all right we've done i think um 15 lamb 16 brisket that year yeah. um and then I think we came 13th overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that year. And then the following year was the best part. We came actually first. I was brisket. just about to say, didn't you get the uh, didn't you get the big prize? Yeah, but that was 2019 then. Yeah, that was 2019 because 2018 is when we competed. Yep. In meat stock, 2018, then 2019. Yes, because I've only done two Sydney meat stocks, right? And that was crazy. Think about it, because I'm sitting there. Um, they're calling out 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, and then they got the 3, and I'm thinking, okay. Then I got the 2, and they said Scotch and Smoke. I said, Scotch and Smoke are a cracker team, mate. They're like, Nick Nick is a legend, mm. right? especially for brisket. He's the beef king. He's been the yeah, beef king yeah, for yeah. years. Right? And I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Don't worry, babe. We haven't won it. I don't understand. I thought we had a smashing brisket. Right, and then all of a sudden, number one, two smoking Arabs, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Look at each other. Yeah, <laughs> woo! And then that, that was it. That was that was our, our highlight of comps and yeah. highlight of of all the hard work. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and as you said, to beat Scotch and Smoke, that's that's a huge effort because uh, the their burnt ends um, are just they're the best I've ever had. You you hear burnt ends described as meat marshmallows. Those are the only ones that I've ever tried personally that actually genuinely feel that soft, squishy, like genuine texture of of marshmallow. You didn't try my ones, mate. No, I haven't yet. I haven't. <laughs> no, you didn't try my ones at meat stock. I'll tell you what. Everyone, everyone uses that year. Everyone was like everyone just uses the fancy, fancy rubs. They put this rub. They put that rub. They put this rub. They put this sugar. This spice. This 
And I said, you know what? A friend of mine said to me, why don't you just use your um, catering rub? I said, you know what? Let's give it a go. So we used, <laughs> we used, the, we used the catering the, the rub that I use that I actually make myself. Oh, right. Yeah, we usually make it ourselves. We don't. It's good to go out there and buy rubs and that's just going to spend a fortune, especially for catering. So yeah, 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 we had to come up with uh, a salt and pepper plus another mix in there for ourselves. Yep. <clears throat> that's what we did. And that's what you took out first place with? That's correct. So when are we going to start seeing some two smoking Arabs uh, bottled rubs for sale on the on the shelves out there? Uh, that, 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 oh, look, that's probably in the works, but I don't want to say too much. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I just want to, don't want to go too big. I'm just happy being selling it at the, if I was going to do it, sell it with myself at the store through friends and through customers who ever want to come and through, through classes that we are uh, lining up to do soon with um, ourselves and another guy by the name of, um, I don't know if you've heard him, you might have heard him, Skipper's Barbecue. Um, no, I don't think I've heard that name. He's not bad. He's, he's pretty good. He does a lot of uh, fancy barbecue stuff with his, um, uh, with his, the egg that he's got. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty good with his egg. Look him up. He's pretty good. Skipper's Barbecue. You'll enjoy the food that he does. He's teamed up with um, myself and we, me and him are teamed up with also Mr. Wagyu because he's, he's the one who's put us together. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to come up with some really nice, really good, which kind of the class is going to introduce with um, some seafood as well. Yeah. Oh, so cool. he's very good with seafood um, and meat, obviously, but obviously we're not going to do no pork in the sure. class yeah, yeah. at all. So yeah. we know that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so I've, as I said before, I've, I've seen you competing as far north as Townsville. What's the furthest you've ever traveled for a competition? Townsville. It, it, it was Townsville. It okay. was. Yeah, it, was yeah. it was a mate of mine lives up there. Um, <clears throat> Tucker Thomas, uh, um, he's up there. Um, he lives up in Cairns and he wanted to do the comp. And I said to him, yeah, I'll, I'll come and help you. He wanted to do it under, he didn't know what to do. And I, I go, mate, whatever you want to do. He goes, listen, what, we'll use it. We'll use your name. Two smoking Arabs, okay? Whatever you want, mate. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, I'm happy. So he goes, okay, he's got a pit. Um, he's had everything up there. So I just flew up there and we did what we did. And it was fun. I enjoyed it, seriously. Going up to Townsville, you know, and just competing up there, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was nice to have a little winter break up there, wasn't it? <laughs> it was winter, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was 30 degrees, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, um, it was the middle of June, I think. Yeah, and it was crazy. The weather was that great that I would want to live up there forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe, um, maybe come down to Sydney for summer yeah, and then go up there for yeah. winter. Yeah, have a, have a winter home up in, uh, up in far north Queensland. My, my dream is, my, one of my dreams is to go compete in America, obviously. Um, but obviously we don't know if they're going to let anyone in or leave the countries anytime soon. Mm. Um, but I do like to compete all around Australia. Um, I would like to go to Tassie, uh, even Melbourne. Well, I, I was, Melbourne would have been a good one, but that got cancelled. We'll get back to that in another Yeah, soon. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to do Adelaide. And I Adelaide's think fine. And I do want to do one in, I don't know if there's one in Perth, is there? Um, there's a couple of KCBS comps each year over in Perth. I think they're up to about half a dozen, maybe eight KCBS comps a year now over there. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's see, that means you got to get into the KBS, KCBS, um, uh, lineups. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously we know that the ABA is the Australian competition standard for, for us, what yep. we do, which we thumbs up to Jay, you know, he's, he's done a crazy job with the ABA and, and the rest of the, the group. Um, I suppose if it wasn't for them, barbecue wouldn't be where it is today. Nah. In nah. Australia, they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. We, we, we wouldn't have this scene that we get to play in if it weren't for those three, for Adam, Jay and Jess, yeah. Yeah, correct. Which, yep. like I said, thumbs up to both of them. Well, it, it just means that if you do have to uh, go over to Perth for a KCBS, then you oh. realise that, that, that it means that you're going to have to do three. Yeah. So that you become eligible for KCBS Team of the Year. So you have to go over three <laughs> times. Well, I, oh, there is some in Sydney as well. I think. I think there is. I, I think know. there's. The, I, I think there was some plan for this year, but it's. Uh, yeah, everything this year has kind of been pushed to the side. Well, yeah. So that means. Um, what's the name? Uh, our, our our friends at um, at Michael. They're going to take it out again this year. The ABA. Weren't they? Um, no, actually, sitting at the top of the ladder at the moment is um, Aussie Pit Boys, Trevor. Oh, oh, Trevor, is he? Because he's the only one who's actually managed to get three in at the start of the year. Oh. So there's there's him in position number one, and then yeah. everybody else underneath is all unranked. Oh, Because oh. no one else has had a chance to do three competitions yet. <laughs> Good luck, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is there a comp coming up soon? Um, um, we've got a couple up here, up in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, the ABA. So whoever goes up there first, um, and then you got you got um, the, the final one at the end of the year, November one, uh, the damn hotel. I think that's yep. that's going to be on. Yep. Which we might it depends. We'll see how we go. Might apply to that. What happens with us? This is what happens every time we go to apply for a comp. Like we register, we pay, even we pay and everything. Then all of a sudden, a catering gig comes. Spend money or make money. Competing, (laughs) feed the family, competing, you know what? Let's feed the family. Don't worry about it. You know, there's I won't miss out on meat stock. For me, meat stock uh, is is one of I love it. And uh, I feel sorry for our our last and lost friend of Port Macquarie. So you've uh, you've had a lot of fun in the competition circle. At what point did you decide to move into a food truck? Okay, 2017? Was it 17? 18. 18. Ramadan. You know what? I said, let's bring it in. Let me let me bring it in. See what see what happens. Let me test the waters. So there was a shop closing down there um, in Lakemba, Halden Street. Um, so I spoke to the owner. I said, can I lease it off you for the month of Ramadan? He goes, yeah, why not? So he gave me an empty shop, leased it. Oh, and, cool. And had it for a whole month. And we just brought it out there. Um, brought down Chad to give me a hand with cooking because uh, I didn't know how to feel it and how to, it was the first time. So you need some, you need, you need the help to, to get it over across the line. I had also Cameron. From, oh yeah, from uh, smoking coal. Um, sorry, see, I almost got him there. <laughs> nah. um, yes, I had him give us a hand as well a few times, um, which was really good. 
um, that's what made us bring it out. And then I seen the crowd, there's people going up there and going, what is it? What is it? You know, and they, no one knew what it was. I was yeah, surprised yeah. that I would say 90% of people had no idea what brisket is. No one. They would say, what's a biscuit? Where'd it come from? What is it? And you tell them it's, you know, chest of the cow, underneath the leg, you know, just underneath here. And you've got to cook it for a long period of time. You can't just put on the hot plate and the ice over and done with. And and that's what made me move to the next step. Like I'm a, I'm in construction, right? I left the construction industry to pursue food, something that I love. Barbecuing was what I loved. I've loved that ever since I was a little kid. Even even longer before I used to do this, we used to do barbecues, community barbecues, at the mosque, local mosque. Uh, once a week, we used to do community ones, and you know, feed two, three hundred people at at a time there. And just it, it, for me, feeding someone and watching them taste your food and go wow is is something different. Anyway, but the wife, this is where we go. The wife wasn't happy about leaving the construction work to venture into something new for food, and we didn't know how we was going to go. But I said, relax. No one does it. No one's doing it. So get into it while while it's at its beginning stages. Yep. You know, especially for taking it out there. There was only, I think, maybe a couple of guys actually doing it, like really commercially. Um, so we decided to do it, and that's that's when we brought it out. And then we were doing markets, uh, put up marquees and that. And then the truck came along, and there was an opportunity for us to – I was looking for a trailer, mind you, but then an opportunity came for a truck. I said, yes, thank God for that. I don't have to pull a trailer. I just hop in the truck and just, <laughs> just drive along and just keep going, park it and start doing what you do. Yeah, that's how we got into the truck and um, the truck's been really good to us. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Just about to just jump in it and just drive away. You don't have to unload, load, put up a marquee, put down the weights, put the tables out, do this, do that. It's a lot of hard work. People don't understand. And then cooking all day and all night, then to go set up your marquee and then after everything's finished, clean up, take it down, pack it all back up. A lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I paid my way through university working in the hospitality industry and I can't imagine how hard it must be to stay awake all night, cook all night, and then still have to put on happy, shiny, smiley face service for all the customers. Can you tell that to the wife? Because <laughs> when I'm there slicing up, I go, she goes, put a smile to the customers. I go, oh. I don't mean it. I'm, I've been cooking for 10 hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I you, go, you got nothing left. <laughs> look, I'm smashed. And because what we do is now is we cook, um, well, with the COVID, it's given us um, an opportunity. You know, people might not like the COVID, but to be honest with you, I, I don't mind it. It gave us an opportunity to grow, to grow from where we were, um, like from selling, say, four briskets a night to going up to maybe eight, double. Oh, wow. You know, um, but we don't open up every day. It's Thursday sure. Thursday to Sunday from 6 to 10. And usually we've opened up at 6 by 7.30, we're sold out. <laughs> and this is, wow. all done, this is all done in the driveway of my house, my home. Uh, reason is you can do it, you're allowed there, is because of the situation of what's happening with COVID. Oh, okay. So there's special uh, dispensations made well, for that. For yeah, well, this, the local the local government 
were overruled by the state government on some red tape, which, oh, gave, which gave us the flexibility of operating anywhere with the owner's consent. Oh, okay. So, and uh, the time frames were taken away from seven o'clock in the morning to seven, eight, 7 p.m. That was gone. So you, then you can operate whatever time you wanted. Oh, wow. That's, that's really handy. And that's, that's great to hear that the government sort of got behind you in that industry and, and, and helped you out like that. Because well, we had a chat with the government, we and a couple of other guys, they, the, the actual few of the government, like MPs and they, they actually called us and told, asked us and spoke to a couple of guys and we told them what the problem is. So that's where they lifted up those restrictions. That's from, right. from, uh, from talking to the, the people on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they didn't do that, you would have a lot more people on dole, a lot more people not working. Mm. You know, at least I hired another two girls. Yeah, yeah. To work. So I've hired two people. So I've taken two people that was should have been on the dole, off the dole, yep. and working. That's um, fantastic. You know, um, and plus not just that, I don't have to get any benefits. Or my wife no. or anyone. So that's the good thing about it as well. Yeah. So that's where I think the government stepped in and said, let's just give them a bit of leeway. So we don't need to help them. Like yeah. get, get them, get, if we can get a hundred, what, how many trucks is out there? There's probably about five, 600 trucks. If we can get five, 600 families, we're not talking about one person. We're talking about mm. there could be three, four people in that truck working. Yeah, if we yeah. don't have to pay them, that's, that's a lot of money for the government to save. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Now, you've, you've mentioned the, the, the community and I can hear the passion in your voice. You're talking about hiring people and helping um, get them off benefits and stuff. You obviously love um, doing work for, for the community. and ooh, before COVID, so at the end of last year, you did a whole bunch of work cooking for the fireys. Can you tell us about um, about that um, experience? Oh, that, that that there, the fireys. Me and my wife sat there. And I'm seeing. I, I, the what made me do that is I seen one footage at the beginning of the fires, where the fire trucks are literally driving through this fire to get to a house, right? To make sure there's no one in it, and that house is on fire. Mm. And then you get to it, and there's other fireys there, and these guys the flames are all over them. And I'm thinking, what can we, and I looked at my wife, I go, you know what? Let's go feed these guys. Mm. They deserve everything instead of a sausage sizzle every night. Yeah. Let's give them something different. So I got involved with a charity. Um, we went down there and we fed the boys down at the uni. So we went down there, we fed the guys down at uni. Um, then we went to Lake Cadoy. Um, there was a, um, who was it there? It was a Rotary Club, no, Lions Club. They were throwing a little thing there for, for them. Oh. So we had some briskets left over and some to cook. So what we did was we used those ones down at the Lake Cadoy, set up the market, he set up everything. And what we did was $10, what was it, $10 a plate. So you get one slice of brisket, some slaw, some uh, sliced bread, you know, just a small plate, 10 bucks, and all the proceeds went to the fireys. Right. Okay. So that's what we did there as well. So, and 
obviously the community was so shocked that we came down there, right? They they didn't realize. They thought, let's let's let, let's not. Step. Arabs went down there to help them out. Do you know what I mean? So we we we, we were happy. We said, leave that aside. We're a community. Yeah, yeah. I know that if the, it was a fire in my place, the fires will be there to help to put it out. So you're a part of our community, so we're here to take some stress and some relief off you by if we can fund $1,000 or we can give you a million dollars. It's something that we done for ourselves. Yeah, you know, yeah. And to help the community. That's, that's, that's what we went down there for, to help, to, to help out. Mm. And we took down, we, we advertised it with a few of the friends and we got like 10 hands up. Yep, we're coming. And we got friends coming down to give us a hand. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, which is pretty good. Yeah. Well, on behalf of the Smoking Your Confessions team, I want to say thank you for doing that because that was some, uh, some much needed work. I was um, in November, I flew from Gold Coast down to Sydney and it was a nighttime flight. And so we were flying all the way down the East Coast. And it was like the entire East Coast was on fire from about probably 10 Boston. minutes ten minutes south of the Gold Coast all the way down to Sydney. And I got um, photos out of the window of the plane. And so, yeah, like it, it was horrifying just how just how fierce those bushfires were. Yeah. Also, I've got to also say that we, when, I, when I decided to come down, I rang up uh, Jay because it is down in Port Mac. Yep. Um, so he came down, took a few photos, advertised for us that we were going down there so to the Lake Caddo so people would come down there and buy because they know we were supporting and they got support there. And also our friend, the legend, Cy. Oh, yeah. Simon Luxon. He was he is, he's a, he's a legend. He came down. He, he, he's, what can I say, hats off to him. Hats off to him and Jay. Yeah, some some very talented and uh, and, and definitely community minded people there for sure. Yeah. Um, now we've been teasing it before. Meet Stock Melbourne twenty twenty. I was I was, <laughs> I was I was upset. I was literally upset. I was there. Drove down from Sydney with the truck instead of doing an eight hour drive. Took us twelve hours or maybe thirteen hours to get down there Ooh. because of the truck. You know, oh, did you have some mechanical problems? No, it was full. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> up the hill, when you're going up hills and that, you, you'll be doing 80, then you get to a hill and you start doing, I mean, you're doing 100, then it starts going down to 60. And you're thinking, oh, come on, please. Anyway, so we end up getting down there, getting out, we're going down to um, getting our meats from Costco's down there. End up getting about maybe 50 briskets. We got everything set up. We got the get get everything, everything ready to go. Smoker was on its way. We're setting up. We're finished setting up. We're just waiting for the smoker to come, and then shut down. But the Formula One stuffed everything up. Yeah, yeah. The Formula One is the one who literally set the standards. But I think if we realised that it wasn't going to start till Monday, I think it would have still went ahead. Mm. because I think everyone just was a bit, oh, they're going to close, oh, they're going to close, oh, oh, then all of a sudden, nah, let's just close it. And then the news came out, oh, it's not going to start till Monday. This mm. is what the media, and then it was too late to call everything back. Yeah, yeah. And it was cancelled. It was actually postponed to August. 
So we were okay, okay, August, we can handle that. It's not going to be that long. So we left our some of our stock up there. And then we oh, okay. Go. Yeah, because we said August, uh, we do we do a pie, we do a brisket pie. Oh, yeah. That we sell, um, and they go off off their rocker. Um, and we took like almost five hundred to a thousand of them down there. Oh, in, wow. in, the, in the freezer. So they're, they're stuck in my mate's freezer in his commercial freezer and he keeps ringing me up. I go, mate, you're in lockdown. What do you want me to do, mate? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're hoping to go down in August again, but that's not happening. No. Yeah, but Melbourne meat stock, everyone, everyone that I know that was there lost money, mm. you know, from the, the, big, the big guys like Jay, from the organisers to the little blokes like us. Everyone lost money that day. That day, yeah, know, yeah. So, thank, thank God for Costco's. But obviously, for for one reason is they literally took all their meat back. Oh refunded, wow! They re, they refunded everyone's meat back that got meat from them. Oh, which wow! Saved, that's phenomenal. Which, which would have saved people from five to ten thousand dollars. Oh, easy. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So that that was a good thing. That, well, that, that was one of the questions I was going to ask was what happens to all that stock? Well, we put an ad in the Melbourne Barbecue Alliance to that because we didn't know what to do with the meat. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then we had a few guys call up. They wanted to buy. They'll take some. They'll buy some. So we had a community was perfect. They jumped on board. They were going to take all our briskets off us. Right? But I didn't want to be a burden to the guys. So I, I drove straight to Costco's with the meat and I said, this is the situation. They go, no, mate, bring it up. We'll take it. They'll just mince it and make mincemeat out of it. Oh, wow. So that's what they did. Which was probably going to end up helping them in the end because mincemeat right. was one of the things that everybody <laughs> went absolutely nuts for about a week later. So Yeah, and now they, they literally said, we'll make more money out of mince than we do out of the brisket. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so they, they, they were happy to take my one. I think they took everyone's that bought there, they went back and they returned it, so that was good. Um, but upsetting still. I wanted, I was so passionate about, like, so wanting to do it. Um, and it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Next year. Um, yeah. So, Brazil, my friend, you took the trip Ooh. of a lifetime. Tell us about that. Cause that, that trip, I got to tell you, was the envy of everybody that I know in the barbecue scene. They had no idea. A lot of people were thinking, <laughs> should we go? Should we not go? This was, this was uh, I seen it. Uh, uh, Jay advertised it. And I looked at it, I go, Far out, I'd love to go to this. I want to go. Okay, how am I going to convince the wife? <laughs> right, so I go to her. And I'm sitting there quiet and I'm sitting there, I'm going, and I'm going, look, babe, the meat stock's going to uh, South America. Oh, they're going to do a barbecue. This, I go, it's not bad. Oh, wow. That'd be crazy. Anyway, don't worry about it. And she goes, show me. She had a look. She goes, do you want to go? I go, no, no, I can't leave you. She goes, no, 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 go. This will be a good opportunity for you. I go, okay, if you insist. <laughs> so that's what happened there, man. And I just quickly, Jay, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming, Jay, I'm coming. So that's that's what made us go. Um, there was 13 of us. The best bunch of blokes you can ever go away period. Mm. You know, I, I met guys like Jared from Texas Pete in New Zealand. 
Norkland. Uh, met also Adriano from Rub and Grub. Right, met him like personally met him and hanged out with him. Met Glenn Dumbrell. You know, I've, I've known the boys from Sydney. I've said, you know, we've met around at George, Shannon, uh, Hayden, who also, um, who was there was also, there was a girl from England. Wow. So, Tara, Tara, Tarin. Drew an international crowd to, to the, uh, to the trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Wow. That was, that was met the Munro Meats, you know, went with them. Um, don't worry, boys. I've, I know I've missed a few names, but I'm a bit nervous at the moment talking. Um, <laughs> so that, forgive me if I've missed your name. Um, yeah, but Jay, Jay put on a crazy show. Um, we met so many great people in Brazil. We even met the owner of the Betty's. The Betty's, one of the best steakhouses I've ever been to. Um, just the atmosphere and how it's set up. If you go on their website and their on their Facebook and Instagram page, you, you'll you'll see what they've done. If you go to the video, Chisquerada was crazy. The best barbecue. What they do there is oh, it, it, it's phenomenal. It is literally we cooked a hundred and twenty lamb shoulders. Wow! With a pea and zucchini puree. Uh, with I think it was feta cheese in there as well. Um, we cooked that with their, um, the South American Brazilian, uh, it's this crumbed dried onions and breadcrumbs in it. They put all over the food. So we ran out of food, right? We ran out. We served, I think, like 3,000 or 4,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, I think that's what, what we served because it's only a little small portion. Yeah, it's yeah, It's a yeah. taster. Um, and then we ran out of food. Then a guy goes, listen, we've got some ribeyes in the fridge that we're going to throw away if no one uses them. So they bought like $3,000 worth of meat and we just started cooking it and just handing it out. And we're slicing it and it looks raw. And I'm going, it looks raw. And the guy, the South America guy that's that's helping us, he goes, no, 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 that's how they eat it. Just throw it out there. And they were eating it like crazy. They were just ripping into it and they were loving life. We met, we seen the way they cook. Learned a lot. We literally learned, took in so much information. Yeah. So you would have learned a whole lot about like live fire and asado type, type cooking, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, this one guy, he would wrap a Wagyu, I think Wagyu rump, right? He would wrap it in uh, foil, then wrap it in mud. No, sorry, wrap it in mud, then wrap it in banana leaf and then put it on the put it on the, oh, sorry, banana leaf, then mud, then put it on the hot coals and leave it on there for five hours. So what would happen was the Wagyu juice would be rolling around in there and it was the best thing. You can even ask the boys that went with us. It was one of the best things we ever tasted. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so let's move on now to the lesson for this for this episode. You're going to talk to us about brisket. What uh, what tips do you have for us for cooking up some brisket? Don't cook it. No. Oh well, that was a uh, short no, no. segment. Then wasn't it? <laughs> no, no. Brisket. Brisket for me was really hard to start off with to get right. 
like I think now you still don't get it right all the time. Like just the other week, the bottoms, like even though you do the precautions and everything, that one of one of the bottoms burnt. You know, and you think to yourself, you go, but I've done everything. What? Ah, maybe I should have done this. So you do that the next day. You go, ah, okay, I've done that. Okay, so what I do now is, um, we used to cook the eighteen hours, five, fifteen hours, six, ten hours. We've got it down pat now to do our briskets in under six hours. Wow! I can cook. I can cook probably about. 10, 15, 20 briskets within eight hours, they're all done. Wow. Are you using drums for that? No. Just, just, um, we'll do hot and fast. Okay. Yeah. The technique of hot and fast. Yep. What, what we do is we go for the first couple of hours without even looking at it, getting as much smoke in there and everything in there. Um, but we also use the Louis Mueller, um, one of his little tricks, so you don't burn the bottom. Okay. If you want to know what it is, go look up Louis Mueller, how he does it, and you'll know his trick, right? So he's, he's got a really good trick so you don't burn the bottom, um, which I, we, we, start, we start using now. You can see in our photos what it is, in some of the photos of what it is. Um, it just helps you not burn the bottom, and then you can run it on a higher heat to get that great bark. Okay. Right, without burning the bottom of it. Yep. Um, and then we wrap, we do the Texas Crunch. We, we, don't, we don't rub the bottom. Okay. That's all, that's all a load of crap. <laughs> I, I think, my personally think why, is because when you're moving it, it's from side get to side, off anyway. it's all going to get slid and it's all going to get taken off anyway, so it's just a waste of money really yeah. to put underneath. We do coat the brisket. We do trim the brisket and shape it how we like the shape. you got to remember, not all briskets are the same. You've got to treat each brisket different to the other. Um, you might get a big one. You might, get a, you might get a big one. You might get a small one, right? For catering, you, you can't do that. You need to get them all roughly around the same size, which is what um, Franklin tells you. What they do is they like to get them all the same size, roughly. So when they're slicing, they all slice the same and they all practically look the same. So when it comes to shaping it then, do you sort of shape it like the competition briskets that we see that no, are almost that no. are almost rounded like a bullet or? No, no, no. I leave the cap on. I probably would trim a little bit of in between the cap and the flat. So it's not the hard, the real hard fat I would get rid of, but not, we're not talking about the hard fat that goes all the way in because you need that to keep the, the two muscles together. Mm -hmm. So we, we trim off enough where I can just cover the flat with the cap. So it can keep it a little bit moist, at least and doesn't dry it out. Um, when we trim, when you get to the flat, the front of the flat around here, you're going to see it's probably about that thin. Some of them come about that thick mm. on one side and that thin on one other side. <laughs> yeah. So you, we, we literally tr go in and trim it around and go that way to get, get it as thick as we can yep. without taking too much off. Yep, yep. Right. So you try so and square it up a little bit, sort of even it out. 
Yeah, <clears throat> but you're never going to do that because you could lose, unless you're doing burgers, it's not a problem. You can mince it up and do burgers. But if you're not doing burgers, it's a waste of waste of money. Yeah. If you're doing a cook at home, leave it on there. Just trim the hard fats that you got on there because you can always, you're at home, you're just going to nibble on it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, when you when you're doing um <clears throat> when you're selling it to the consumer, you you can't give them that small piece. No. So what we do with that is we cook it anyway, and then we mash it because there's parts of the brisket you can't sell because you just can't sell it. It's not there's not enough there, and it doesn't look good. Mm. It's all about presentation, <clears throat> and you just mash it up and put in a brisket burger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or or you were saying pies there before as well. That'd be good. Well, well, we got when we got when we first started, we had like loads of leftover. We didn't know what to do with it. We used to give it away, like call up this one lady where she helps the community. We say, "Listen, we've got two briskets. Come grab them and split them up between the families that um, can't they they can't afford some food." Yeah, yeah. You know, we give them the salads, we give them everything that we have, and we just give it to them, and she just hands it out to people. And made of mine goes to me, listen, I got a bakery. Let's make some. I got a good. Let's make some pies. So we started making pies, and they've they've just gone off its off its chop. Going back to the secrets and the tricks. Wrap it. I wrap it. I don't look at the when I probe. I don't look at probe halfway through. I don't even probe it halfway through. Oh, I okay. Even, I look at the color. Yep. If you're happy with the color, you can get your look. You you can get your hands. You got your hands right. You, you put your gloves on. You put it. You can pick one up and you can feel how soft it is and how if it's hard or it's soft. You know, so you can actually feel all this stuff. You got to put your heat gloves on. Otherwise, <laughs> you burn your hands. Right. You can go with feel. Feel is great. Because you you can tell if you've done so many of them, you can tell how far it's been pushed. The only time I use a thermometer, and it's not to find out how much, what's the temp, it's to find out the tenderness mm. of the brisket towards the end. Right? We we wrap. What, what we do is I'll give you a little rundown quickly. We put it in, get the temps up to about 300, put it for about two hours. For the first hour, we don't even open it. The first hour, then we do that little trick where you got to look at Mueller's, <laughs> Mueller's uh, page. I'm not plugging him, but he's just done a – for me, he's done a trick that I like, that I, yeah. that I, that I use, right? Put that trick in. Then close it down for another hour, hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes till I get that color that I like. It could be an hour and a half. You don't know. Keep the temp steady. Right? If you don't keep the temp steady, it's just going to fluctuate. It's going to cook for longer. Mm. So after that, when I like the temps, I grab it, I give it a wrap, foil wrap. Texas Crunch it's called, but I wrap it three times, not once. Wow. I give it a triple wrap. That's one of my, what I do. Okay. Why is that? Keeps the, the air in, the, the steam. So yep. you're sort of trying to push the store. Yeah. Because yeah. you know you get to a store. So if you have one wrap, it might escape. Yep. So if you have a double and a triple, but you got to, 
Because how can I tell you? You wrap it one way, then you turn it and you wrap it the other way, yep. and you turn it and you wrap it the way back, right? So that way it keeps all that air and all that moisture, everything in, to help the cooking process to to push that that um the store that yep. everyone talks about. Um, so after we've wrapped it, another two hours after that, I start checking it, checking it for tenderness. And once it starts getting tender, we get another 10 minutes and then we'd start checking it every 10, 15, 20 minutes. We can tell which one needs what long, how much longer, you know, we can cook a brisket in four to six hours. Wow. In my, in an offset. Yeah. Not in a drum. Drum only cooks one brisket. Yeah. That would yeah. be a lot of drums to uh, to be unloading out of a trailer to be uh, to be cooking fifteen briskets in a day. You would. Now you you mentioned before that you wrap when you see a color that you like. Can you describe that color that you're looking for? The color that I like is close to a black. Okay. But it's a soft black, not a hard black where you're burnt to the shit house. <laughs> right. Um, even 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 some of it where it's a brownie. But you got to have some. You got to have a look at it. You can tell that really dark brown, right? That really dark brown will turn into black once after you've wrapped. As you can see in one of my last photos, it's it's black, but it's not. Um, we don't use no activated charcoal. It's just salt and pepper. So you, a lot of people use the activated charcoal to get the to get the color they want. That's only for comp. Yep. You want to use all that fancy stuff, use it for comps because that's where it counts. For a home cook, do it how you want to cook it. Get it nice and tender, right? Take your time and just go with the flow. Don't look at it. If you look at it, you're not cooking. Like they say, if you're looking, you're not cooking. In the whole time, as I'm cooking, I'll probably look at it three to four times. Oh, wow. I don't bother. Because I know the process that I do. I've been doing it for about a year now. Yeah, yeah. So I know the process that I'm doing. Um, where we learned hot and fast was in comps. Because everyone does hot and fast there. Yeah. No one wants to stay out for 20 hours cooking a brisket. You might get a couple of guys who do it, but you get majority of the guys doing hot and fast. People like the spritz. You know, you're just covering the bloody thing with glucose or whatever you want to put on it, sugars. It doesn't literally... Go in. Nah. You've got to think about it. Spritz, as soon as it hits to me, it starts to evaporate because yep. it's hot. Yeah. So where's the penetration to get a moist inside? You're spraying, it's evaporating, it's not going in. Unless you're, you're, bro you're putting a broth in, you're soaking it in, yeah, not a problem. But when you're spritzing, I don't think spritzing works. Yeah, fair enough. Look, there's some great brisket tips in there, and thank you very much for that. Um, I think this is a pre probably a pretty good time to uh, to start wrapping up the episode. So um, I'll throw it over to you now. Uh, give some shout-outs to whoever you'd like, uh, thanks to, to, to who you'd like to say thanks to, and make sure you tell everybody where they can track you down on the social medias. There is one person who's really, really helped me a lot, which is the wife. She's been the backbone to the two smoking Arabs with – setting up the trucks, setting up this, making sure I order this, making sure I that, you know, without her, I don't think two smoking Arabs is anything. I'm just a cook. She's actual, she should be the two smoking Arabs. Uh, there's one particular 
people that have been stood by us a lot. And this is uh, Charlie from Ample Firewood. He's been a great supporter of the Two Smoking Arabs. Um, him, Mr. Wagyu Beef. Um, there, there, there's a lot of people out there that have have stuck by us and helped us out. Um, you even got guys, Cameron's helped me out. You've had Hayden's helped us out from Black Bear. You've had, um, you know, I've rang up guys just to get a bit of advice. Uh, even Brad from Brim, Fire and Brimstone, you know, and, you know, even Houston's Barbecue in Melbourne, you know, I've had a chat with him a few times, you know. You're always learning, so don't be scared. No matter how good you are or what you do, there's always a, you can always learn something new. And don't be, don't be afraid of asking. Jay, Cy, there's another two guys. Um, there's, so, there's so many in my head. It's all the boys from barbecue. That's it. All the guys that I've met through barbecue, love you all, you know, and we should meet in the next comp. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So tell us what your handles are on social media so we can find you. We're Two Smoking Arabs at, on Instagram and Two Smoking Arabs on Facebook. All righty. Oh, mate, I, I was just about to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, to come talk to us because I know you are pretty flat chat. Well, I'm leaving here right now to start um, getting my my products and that now, so it's all good. One hour is pretty good. Gave me a bit of um, relaxed time. Oh, good, good. I'm 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 happy to hear that. Well, thank you very much for for coming on board the show, and I look forward to talking to you again soon at a competition. Oh, definitely. Can't wait for the next one. And there you have it, family. That was Nawaf Rafai from Two Smoking Arabs. How good is that guy? He cooks some of the best barbecue going around. He's built a fantastic business and he gives back to our broader community. I, I was going to say first responders, but as we found out in this episode, there's so many different avenues that he's giving back to the community. He's breaking down barriers within the community and just uniting everybody through barbecue. Hats off to him and his team. They are doing an absolutely beautiful job. So make sure you do get over, get on the socials, give them a follow, give them some love, like and share some of their some of their uh, photos and videos and things and let's really get behind them and support them as they do do so much to support the wider community. So before we go, can you t- just take a minute and uh, give this video a like and a share on Facebook, a thumbs up, subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. If you're on IGTV, give it a heart and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, give it a five-star rating and a review. Um, it lets our robot overlords know that you like the show and that they should show it to other people who might like it too, which really helps us out in return. And so that's it for today. That is a wrap for this episode. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>